This is the story about... I want to do it too. Okay. One, two. This is Precious Lies. Stories about kids. Teens. Guns. Guns. Yeah, we end the violence. Bye-bye. Because, because we are precious. Because we are precious. This is Precious Lives. This week, a lead pediatric surgeon at Children's Hospital, Wisconsin, reflects on one of his most gut-wrenching cases. Precious Lives producer Emily Foreman has the story. Well over a decade ago, Dr. John Densmore and his wife bought their first home. Uh, we were thrilled as newlyweds to have be able to own a home with, like, no money. <laughs> And um, He had just started his residency at Children's Hospital here in Milwaukee. I remember my brother came and helped us unpack, and we sort of piled out of a U-Haul truck and slept on the floor of our new house, just sort of awestruck that that could even happen. And they got to know their neighbors, an EKG tech, a bus driver, another medical resident up the street. You know, what I remember fondly about it was that people looked out for each other. For instance, he'd come home after a long shift to find his walk shoveled. But there were problems. I remember on a run um, by a park near that house one day that a monk kid had been shot. Up until that point, he had only encountered gunshot wound victims in the hospital. Um, And sort of being dumbstruck that that could happen so close to where I was living. And it raised a lot of thoughts about, well, where am I living? You know, who who is here? More than a decade later, two miles from Dr. Dinsmore's first home, near 73rd and Mill Road, there was another shooting, a shooting between two drug dealers. Demique Colehill sold heroin. Quisan Sanders stole Colehill's cell phone number. He got it off of Facebook and had Virgin Mobile make it his own. So when Colehill's clients wanted to buy, they reached Sanders instead. Colehill drove to Sanders' house to settle things. Baby Bill Tao was next door, 13 months old. Bill's family was practicing choir while he played Legos with his brother and other relatives. Dermikwe Colehill got the wrong address. He fired 41 bullets intended for Quisan Sanders into a house where Bill played. The prosecutor in the case likened the damaged house to Swiss cheese. The bullets struck baby Bill in the abdomen and came out just below his hip. During the closing argument at Colehill's trial, the prosecutor said, Unlike the other children, as they lay on the ground crying and upset, Baby Bill wasn't crying. He appeared to be in shock. Christmas week of 2014, Dr. Densmore was one of two head pediatric surgeons on call. I um, had had a long call week. This was the end of the week. He pulls up his notes on a laptop from December 27th of that year. After complicated cases, he voice records his steps. The notes also include the time he was paged. 6.37 p.m. Unmeasurable vital signs, GCS of 15. As I remember getting the page, um, uh, you know, I think I was pumping gas in my car, trying to get ready for the next uh, trip back to the hospital. Level 1 trauma, one-year-old male GSW. At first glance, he thought it was a typo. Is this kid really an infant? Are you kidding me? And then called the trauma room to confirm the conversation was brief. He requested massive transfusion protocol. I need uh, O-negative blood to be accompanied by platelets and fresh frozen plasma that can be given to anybody, and I need it in tremendous quantity. Speeding to the hospital, he had a moment to consider the big picture. What does that say about our city? 
you know, what does that say about the place that I live, I love, I, I work in every day, and I thought this is a new low. This is a new low. Bill Tao is widely known as Baby Bill. He'll forever be Baby Bill, the child of Hmong parents whose family escaped Laos only to employ bullet-dodging tactics learned in the jungle in a living room in Milwaukee. Dr. Densmore says Bill was one of 12 kids he personally treated for gunshot wounds in 2014, and he's only one of 10 pediatric surgeons at Children's Hospital. Overall, 71 kids were treated for gunshot wounds that year, reported emergently to the trauma room to find an infant in extremis with a blood pressure of uh, 60 over 40. Dr. Densmore first meets Bill in the trauma bay. I peeked in very quickly, confirmed with my own eyes what I thought I'd expect to see, and then ran upstairs to the operating room to get our OR staff ready. He estimates 20 to 30 people worked together to save Bill's life. First-year MDs, nurses, anesthesia techs, anesthesiologists, Decades of schooling and medical training, probably hundreds of years among them. My name is Karen. I started at Children's Hospital in 1976. I'm a surgical assistant and work in the operating room. I've known and respected Karen for 16 years. Dr. Densmore met Karen during his first year of residency. I remember being relieved to see Karen in the room. By the time Dr. Densmore walks into the operating room, Karen has prepared two big tables full of instruments anticipating everything Baby Bill might need. Things were prepared. The room was warm. Above 80 degrees. The warmth helps with shock. It keeps the body responsive to drugs. When you have a baby in shock, uh, it's not as easy as putting in an IV like you or I might imagine. Um, and a child that small, that's often not an option because the veins are collapsed and there's no blood in them. It's critical that Bill get ample blood flow. Because once Dr. Densmore starts operating, it's a race to outpace the bleeding. And that's where an anesthesiologist comes in to control the fluids. Dr. Densmore refers to the anesthesiologist on call that night as his wingman. Sometimes, and in, in this case, what we had to do is actually use um, the center of a bone in order to give that volume, those fluids, the largest bones in the baby are in the legs. Seconds pass from when Dr. Densmore first sees Bill to when he's rushed upstairs to the operating room. Nurses surround Bill's torso and legs with blue surgical drapes to keep the area around his injury sterile. At this point, Bill still isn't getting enough fluid. Dr. Densmore scrubs out, consults with the anesthesiologist, and they try to get a line through Bill's neck, through his arm, Still no progress. Dr. Densmore can't wait any longer. He scrubs back in. It's time to operate. And then ultimately, uh, coming to the point where I looked across at my fellow and I said, are you ready? Um, because once we start this, um, we're going to have um, a very limited time. Often the illusion is made to uh, like an orchestra. You know, if there were a piece that we're playing, it would have been the Rachmaninoff three. Frenetic. The pace was insane, but but ordered. And the next thing I knew, that we had found a, a significant injury. Had tried to isolate it. It wasn't stopping the clock. The clock was still running. The baby was getting sicker by the second. 
And I just remember at one point, um, you know, hearing that, um, you know, that we lost the pulse and, uh, Um, at that point, <clears throat> I think I looked at Karen and, um, <clears throat> and realized we had to shift gears and that I was missing something. Essentially, we had, um, you know, four major vascular structures injured. Mm. Uh, we knew about two of them, and the other two were insidious. Two sets of arteries and veins that supply blood from the heart to the legs were severed. And while we, we understood and um, were doing our best to control one set of arteries and veins, um, you know, this damn bullet took out both. And we could only see one because of the bleeding. After attempts at CPR to restart Bill's heart, Dr. Densmore makes the call. And when you're in that situation, the hard part is to, um, you know, not prolong it, um, to not pursue the futile out of respect for the patient. And ultimately, <clears throat> we lost, you know, we lost Bill. Time of death, 9.45 p.m. Um, one of the few patients I've lost on the table and one I'll never forget. Um, he... He um, he was loved by the people around him, even for that short period of time. And the moments after declaring that, um, um, my next immediate thought was the family, and uh, uh, because now they're the now they're the next patient. Dr. Densmore walks to the waiting room. It's a long walk. Meanwhile, Karen lingers in the operating room. I, then the team, dresses Bill, gets him to be able to be with his family. I then had to step outside the room and I just stood up against the wall and slowly slid down and sat in try to come to grips with this. Dr. Densmore breaks the news to Bill's family. I liken it to sort of um, watching a soul become unstitched before you. You are <clears throat> um, the deliverer of the worst news in the world. Um, and um, I'm also a father of two. After, Dr. Densmore goes home to celebrate a belated Christmas with his family. His wife is a pediatrician, so she gets it. Still, he says it was hard to stay present. A place like Children's is not a sterile box where the injured go, and they either make it or they don't. Um, they're people, uh, human beings. Uh, in that box, making it happen. He's operated on too many kids with gun